between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow. Sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more. The first round of tariffs against China is scheduled to go into effect tomorrow, and the Wall Street globalists are mobilized to defend China. Our NATO allies are determined to keep American taxpayers on the hook for Europe's defense. Trump's response to them is no deal. And the resignation of Scott Pruitt promises to embolden the radical left and their relentless attacks on this administration. With these stories and more from a nationalist perspective, I'm Jim Dawes and this is America First Radio's Daily Brief. And thank you for joining America First Radio. This conversation never ends. You can follow us on Twitter at AmFirst Radio and friend us on Facebook at America First Radio with Jim Dawes. Then you can share it with your friends, start a conversation, and get early notifications as soon as these shows are posted. America First Radio is proudly carried on the Talk America Radio Network, the new dominant force in conservative talk radio. And you can listen to their live feed 24-7 at TalkAmericaRadio.us. And America First Radio is carried each weeknight at 11 p.m. Eastern on Talk America affiliates in Florida and Georgia. But if you miss a broadcast, you can always listen on demand on your favorite podcast directory or directly at our website at AmericaFirstRadio.com. Well, the globalists, the multinational corporations that have for years and years, actually decades, going on three, uh, maybe four decades, are in a utter and complete meltdown that the president's promises to rebalance our disastrous trade relationships, especially with China, are finally starting to be implemented uh, um, in the real world. And on Friday, uh, the first round of tariffs against Chinese products, totaling uh, about $50 billion, is set to take effect. And, uh, and you've got the Wall Street globalists uh, and, and, you know, all of these um, think tank, uh, uh, multinational sponsored talking heads running around predicting that the sky is falling and that this is going to be an utter disaster, and they're paying for people that will be uh, negatively impacted to, uh, to go on TV and act as if that this, uh, uh, this trade move, uh, retaliatory in and of itself, because China has been uh, uh, cheating the United States for decades on trade, are somehow starting some trade war that is going to... Uh, uh, to wreck the American economy. The truth of the matter is, uh, one, these trade uh, measures, I don't like the term trade war because uh, it unnecessarily um, exaggerates what in fact is going on here, but these trade measures that the Trump administration are taking are, are not um, – aggressive they are in fact uh retaliatory for what china has been doing to us china has um very high uh, trade barriers both in the form of tariffs and regulatory uh actions against foreign competitors and at the same time this is going on we've got this uh this globalist um uh, lobby in the united states that has kept um our trade barriers um, at a bare minimum. And this has, of course, resulted in American workers paying the price, and that's exactly what the uh, multinational globalists want. <clears throat> They're engaged in uh, labor arbitrage. They are, would far uh, pre prefer to have their products manufactured in China, where the average wage is, um, I'm not even sure what it is now. I think it's about... Uh, three dollars an hour as opposed to a high-wage American economy that way they get to uh, pocket the um, the excess or the the extra profits uh, 
uh, from that. They don't pass these savings on to the American consumer as they would like you to believe. What they do is they pass them on to shareholders, which I'm fine with uh, shareholders making money. I think capitalism is great. But if you are, in fact, turning your back on American workers and putting the uh, American economy in service, in this case, of a communist dictatorship that's using uh, those trade surpluses to build up its military so that it can challenge the United States, then that is a uh, that is a recipe for disaster, and that is in fact where we find ourselves. But even now, the uh, the the so-called free traders we need to come up with a ter- another term for that. I I would call them the the uh, globalist trade cult sect because at this point, um, the the free trade uh, ideology in them is more akin to a religion. Because we've got uh, plenty of experience now to show that uh, it doesn't work for American business and American workers. And yet these people continue uh, to worship at the altar of so-called free trade. I got a clip here for you from Marco Rubio, who's talking about all of the trade abuses, especially in the area of um, the theft of American intellectual uh, property that China has been engaged in and what their ultimate goal is and who is, uh, is the biggest opponents of rebalancing this trade relationship. Well, I think this president is the only president that's been willing to confront China for what it is. Uh, and for too long around here, both Republicans and Democrats haven't wanted to do it. And I think this is our last chance to get it right. We have to have a proper balance with them. What they are trying to do is they are trying to have a high-tech world that they dominate. And the way they're going to get there is by stealing our stuff or basically by buying up these small American companies in key sectors. We can't allow that to continue. We've got to confront that now. If we don't do it now, it's going to be too late in five years. And then we're all going to live in a world in which the Chinese dominate the technology that we need to defend ourselves and and to fuel an economy. Well, Rubio makes a very uh, strong point here. This may be the last opportunity that we have to turn back this red tide. China has a, uh, a plan for becoming the dominant economy in the world by capturing the emerging tech sectors. Um, and it's no secret they have written it down and, uh, and they mean to capture these emerging, uh, tech sectors, including artificial intelligence, um, and, and other, uh, technologies, not by developing it on their own, but by stealing this technology from the United States. And a big part of the way they do that is they've, uh, flooded American research universities with, uh, Chinese students who um, who uh, insulate or um, insinuate themselves into these uh, these research and development laboratories that are paid for to a great degree by American taxpayers, and then they take that uh, that technology home with them, or they go to work for the American firms to further exploit their access to this technology. Another way that they do it is by uh, using uh, our uh, open economy that they do not have themselves over in China, but they use our open economy to come over here and buy up uh, American technology companies and then transfer all of those jobs and all of that technology back over to China. And the globalists would have you continue to engage in these, uh, these foolish um, practices. I mentioned uh, the the huge Chinese population on American research uh, campuses. In addition to that, the Chinese government has set up what they call uh, Confucius institutions on American universities, hundreds of them, that enforce um, Chinese communist uh, cultural um, beliefs and and uh, discipline on these Chinese students. And once again, in an open society, an open Western democracy like the United States, that sort of thing is allowed. It would never, ever, under any circumstances, be allowed to flow in the other direction. And 
uh, we, as a result, are seeing China uh, arise as a military and uh, in, uh, industrial superpower whose stated objective is to supplant the United States uh, as as the leader in uh, in uh, leading uh, world the world economy. Cannot let that happen. So I hope the Wall Street Journal report is not true, and the president comes out with those regulations. I already filed a bill that does what the president's going to do by regulation, and and that's what we need to do. And I really, really uh, hope he's not backing down. Uh, I hope he does it. It's one of the interesting things about this issue. With all the fighting going on in America, the one thing I think has bipartisan support is the fact that we have to confront China. You know who our biggest opponents are? The CEOs of multinational corporations who don't really care in many cases about American national security. Or- let me let you hear that again, because uh, you really need to understand who the the biggest opponents, uh, the people who finance these political campaigns and they're, are the big donors to the people who make the decisions that are supposed to be on behalf of the best interests of the American people, are in fact um, our uh, titans of industry, our tech titans on, in Silicon Valley. One thing I think has bipartisan support is the fact that we have to confront China. You know who our biggest opponents are? The CEOs of multinational corporations who don't really care in many cases about American national security or where America is going to be in 10 years. They just want access to 1.3 billion customers in China. And they, will, they are in favor of anything that allows them access to those customers over the next few years so they can show strong right. profits and get their bonus. And they come back to D.C. and they lobby against us. Yeah, and in favor. Apple goes around the world talking about privacy. Apple turned the cloud in China over to the Chinese government. But in America, they won't even help the FBI or law enforcement get into the phone of a criminal to see who that criminal was conspiring with. So these are the kinds of things that we need to be talking about, the sort of hypocrisy. Their only concern is the bottom line on the next quarterly report. We've got to run out to a break. We'll talk more about the implementation of these tariffs when we come back right after these messages on America First Radio. Well, the globalist hysteria that you will hear on the opposition media aside, uh, the United States is in a, a very good position uh, thanks to this president and uh, his revving up of the American economy by, by way of deregulation and tax cuts. We're in a very good position to actually take the uh, actions necessary to rebalance these disastrous trade deals. And the truth of the matter is that despite the fact that uh, China is promising retaliation for these tariffs that are uh, set to go into effect on Friday, um, they will run out of uh, retaliatory tariffs way, way before we do. I think uh, the United States imports or exports into China about $120 billion uh, a year. China, on the other hand, exports about $525 billion into the American economy. So, you know, if you want to get in a tit-for-tat, the Chinese are going to run out of tat real quick. Uh, And the president, uh, while returning home on Air Force One from last night's uh, rally in Montana, this guy has more energy for a 70-year-old person than anybody I've ever seen in my life. I think this is the third or fourth rally he's done this week. All of this is in a run-up to the November midterm elections. And you you really just have never seen a uh, a force of nature like Trump. But as he was coming back uh, last night on Air Force, uh, Force One, he, he talked about it. He says, uh, uh, you know, we've got $34 billion that are going to effect on Friday. We've got another $16 billion that will go into effect on two weeks. And then, as you know, he says, we have $200 billion in abeyance. And then after that, $200 billion, we have another $300 billion in abeyance. So, okay, he says, we have 50 plus 200 plus 300. <laughs> so if you're over in China and you're looking at this, you've got to be, uh, you know, figuring out, well, 
exactly what uh, you know we're, we're outgunned in this uh, this upcoming trade dispute. But um, Reuters is saying that Trump's comments appeared to increase the stakes for retaliation by China. Uh, they say that uh, previously Trump had only threatened to impose an additional four hundred billion. Well, uh, I don't think that's correct. I've been I've been paying attention to this myself, and uh, he has every time China has turned around and promised retaliatory tariffs uh, up the stakes to the uh, to illustrate to their uh, their leaders that um, they will run out of uh, ammunition in a trade dispute with the United States way before we do. So we're going to have to wait and see, uh, uh, you know, if China, in fact, um, retaliates for these uh, these new uh, levies. Uh, the truth of the matter is they already have high tariffs on American products coming into the Chinese market. And uh, if they want to engage in this, you know, their their economy is uh, is very is, is very fragile right now to begin with. They've got high levels of debt. Uh, they've still got a huge population of uh, of people whose employment is very uh, very precarious, and they have uh, recently instituted uh, you know um, dictatorial measures for their uh, their president Z uh, Z. So um, I think that if um, well, first of all, the United States economy will continue to rock on. It's too strong for these. Uh, these retaliatory measures by China to affect it. And I think if we can um, overcome the uh, protest of doom and gloom by our own titans of industry, then this will resolve itself in a pre in pretty short order. There will be some short-term pain, and the opposition media, in, um, in cooperation with these globalists, will try to use this short-term pain in order to reverse American policy but if the uh, president stands strong, I'm pretty confident that we'll be able to overcome this. Here's Kevin Hastert. He is on the uh, President's Council of Economic Advisors, appearing with Stuart Varney, talking again about uh, how to stop China from continuing the theft of American intellectual uh, property. Your point all along has been that our economy is so strong that it can withstand tariffs between China and the United States. That is your point. That's your reason why we stay with a hard line from President Trump. That's it? Well, I think that President Trump has made it clear, going all the way back to the election, as you covered very often on your show, that we got really, really shafted by previous trade deals, and especially by China. You know, the Council of Economic Advisors, which I chair, we, we studied it and concluded that in the most recent year we have data that Chinese had stolen more than $100 billion worth of our intellectual property. And the U.S. Trade Representative, Bob Lighthizer, actually came in with a much lower number. He said the theft he thought uh, conservatively estimated was $50 billion. And so in retaliation, the president, in order to get them to stop stealing our stuff, put $50 billion of tariffs on well, Chinese products. And, but the point is they should have at that point said, okay, we're even, now let's negotiate. But instead, they retaliated, and, and the president's up the ante. And well, the fact is that, that in that kind of a tit-for-tat game with China, we do have the upper hand. We do have the upper hand, and let's, uh, let's be clear about what has happened here. The uh, American politicians who have been funded by these multinational corporations, globalists, have basically sold out uh, the interests of the American uh, worker in the American economy. I saw uh, an, a, a, a quote in the Washington Post the other day that claimed that Trump doesn't understand our values, that he is only concerned with our interests. He doesn't understand U.S. values, according to the Washington Post. He only understands U.S. interests. Well, I would turn that around and, and say that the uh, the elite governing class in Washington have for the longest time not understood or not uh, not looked after American interests because they have been uh, too um, concerned with um, so-called American values because you see when they allow American jobs to uh, hemorrhage from this economy, 
when they allow uh, open borders uh, so that they can, you know, go to their uh, leftist cocktail parties and uh, pontificate on how moral and high, how high-minded they are, they don't have to pay the price. It's very easy for them to uh, adopt postures of self-righteousness because other, uh, other people, the American worker, is paying the price for their high-mindedness. I, uh, I heard um, uh, Payne uh, on, uh, on Fox, Charles Payne, talking, talk about uh, these trade deals uh, and, and um, how he, he's pointing out again one of Donald Trump's main issues that we're already in a trade war. We have lost it. This is just an effort to, uh, to get some of it back. Canada has 19,500 tariffs right now. Right now. Yeah, there are more tariffs coming, but it's going to just underscore President Trump's opinion. Right. The EU said they're going to level more tariffs on cranberries, uh, 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 orange juice, and whiskey. Well, guess what the current tariffs are? 22%, 23%, and 11%. The only reason they're doing that is because those things are made in Trump country. They're making this into a political thing, trying to make them bend to the will. If anyone wants to be honest and put all the tariffs out there on the table, the American public will be shocked. That what American producers and farmers must contend with to sell their products to our quote unquote friends. We'll find out. What is really maddening about all of this is uh, these so-called friends of ours in the EU and in Canada, uh, not so much Mexico. I don't think, uh, especially under this new president, uh, Mexico can credibly claim to be an American friend. But uh, these so-called friends of ours in the EU and Canada are imposing. Uh, trade uh, retaliation uh, uh, tariffs, retaliatory tariffs on the United States for tr- for trying to protect its steel and aluminum industries. They're imposing uh, tariffs on goods that are targeted to try to hurt the president, hurt Mitch McConnell, and hurt um, Paul Ryan. So they're targeting uh, agricultural goods because they know that uh, Trump did well in the, uh, the big uh, heartland of this country, an agricultural country. They're targeting bourbon because they know that that's a major product uh, there in uh, uh, Mitch McConnell's Kentucky. And they're targeting Harley-Davidson uh, because they're made largely in Wisconsin, where, uh, where Paul Ryan comes from. So we've spent the last couple of years talking about Russian interference in, uh, in America's elections and, and talked about how, um, how Russia is an enemy of the American people. And now our so-called friends are actually engaged in, uh, in political manipulation, trying to punish uh, workers from areas that support our, our elected representatives. What would you call that? I would call that interference in Americans political America's political system on steroids. But because these people are so-called friends, nothing's said about it, and because uh, you know it doesn't feed into the um, uh, the globalists' narrative, uh, they just turn a blind eye to it. The truth of the matter is. The uh, the agricultural sector is going to be just fine if uh, if if these um, these trade partners stop buying our agricultural products, they'll have to buy them from someplace else. That will displace that market, and we can sell to new markets. Food, everybody's got to eat, and agriculture is a fungible commodity. So just stay calm and and in, uh, enforce tariffs. We got to run out to a break. When we come back from these messages, we're going to talk about the upcoming NATO meetings right after these messages. So next week, uh, the president is going to travel over to uh, the UK for a meeting with our NATO allies, and these NATO allies are in a um, uh, 
an absolute fit uh, that the American president is insisting that uh, they pay their fair share uh, for the defense, for their own defense toward the NATO alliance um, if they expect the United States to continue to foot the major portion of these European countries' defense. And they've launched this public relations effort that, uh, that has, um, you know, saying that uh, NATO is the indispensable defense alliance that's been going on 70 years and uh, in any reduction uh, of the support of NATO by the American taxpayers is somehow turning its back on their stalwart uh, allies in Europe. Totally ignoring the fact uh, that these NATO allies um, aren't paying uh, their own fair share and, and in, a, in a reality are depending on American taxpayers to pay for their defense so that they can use uh, that money to fund their own welfare states. So while America spends about uh, 3.5% of its gross domestic product on defense spending, uh, nations like France and, uh, spends about one8 The big one, Germany, only spends one2 Um. Where's the UK in this? The UK is actually up above 2%. Poland is another one that's above 2%. But Norway, Bulgaria, Portugal, uh, Denmark, all of these uh, northern European countries are well, well below 2%. And all of these places have very generous uh, welfare benefits. They have um, you know, universal health care. They have income support. They have government housing. And they've got 30 days guaranteed vacation that is basically being paid for by the American taxpayers because uh, those are paid for with the funds that they're saving while we fund their defense. And, uh, and to hear, you know, the talking heads um, screaming and crying about trying to you know rebalance this relationship that that they themselves these governing elites have have allowed uh, one administration after the next to take advantage of the american taxpayer is really laughable this is a clip of john Kerry appearing at the so-called aspen's idea conference aspen ideas conference uh, being interviewed by uh, uh, that that very objective and unbiased reporter Andrea Mitchell at NBC, of NBC. What makes this different is the G7 meeting that just took place, the rancor within our allies and the suspicions, the deep resentment they have for the secondary sanctions that they've decided to impose because we've pulled out of Iran deal, but all the other countries are still in the deal. And that territory, extraterritoriality and, and challenge to sovereignty is really angering Macron, Merkel, May, and, and, and the leaders of the region. Can you imagine uh, an American president, Barack Obama, put John Kerry who basically made his chops as a uh, Vietnam War protester, turning his back on his, uh, his comrade in arms and accusing them of all sorts of uh, military uh, atrocities. Can you imagine that he put him in charge of the State Department? You would, you would expect what would happen. He would make deals that put America's interests uh, secondary and would... Um, would you know basically assume uh, that America was evil and and empower uh, actual evil regimes, and that's what, exactly what he did with the Iran deal. He's still on this uh, this speaking tour, uh, you know, trying to rehabilitate this disastrous Iran deal. And now he's pointing out that our so-called NATO allies are apoplectic with the prospect. Uh, that the president is pushing back on these disastrous uh, trade and defense deals that we've made with them, while at the same time he's trying to 
uh, reform and uh, and bring into the uh, civilized family of nations um, Russia and uh, and North Korea. And I don't think that uh, you know either one of those are, are bad. I believe that uh, that it is in Russia's best interests to get along with the United States, and that if uh, uh, if they are able to uh, have peaceful relations with the Western nations, that is far far better than forcing them into the arms of our real geostrategic uh, competitor, which is China. Uh, John Bolton uh, appeared on uh, on Fox News Sunday and had this to say about the upcoming NATO meeting. But let's be clear, the NATO summit is an important meeting. I think the president has uh, made clear to all European leaders he's met with that NATO is an important uh, alliance for the United States, our most important. Uh, he just has a very uh, precise idea that the NATO uh, allies should live up to the commitment they themselves made to spend 2% of their budget on uh, 2% of the gross national product on defense spending. But, but <laughs> and it's really not surprising, you know, if you've got a spoiled child at home that you've been um, uh, providing everything and, and um, asking nothing in return of, of in the way of taking responsibility and that one day uh, you decide that you have got to fix that relationship and you have got to start uh, insisting on some responsibility from this spoiled child, you can expect them to raise hell and, uh, and uh, you know, be uh, petulant. And that's exactly what we're seeing out of our, uh, our friends in Europe. They're being petulant. They've become spoiled. They, they like being able to have this uh, lar largesse in their budget, these surpluses that are generated by us paying for their defense so that they can buy votes and, uh, and fund uh, very generous benefits to their people, including, as I said, 30 days paid vacation. Here's a clip from Barry Pavel. Uh, Pavel he's on the Atlantic Council uh, talking about how Trump is scaring NATO. This is a, a long-standing concern of American presidents and American secretaries of defense. I remember Secretary Bob Gates in 2010 uh, issued a, a pretty stern public warning in a speech, and we saw the, the uh, President Obama did the same thing. But it's done in the Trump style, and, and allies like to discuss these things in private. Yeah, it's done in the Trump style. He's actually going to insist they do it instead of just uh, paying it lip service behind closed doors where he can be made, you know, uh, given uh, promises that are never kept and the, um, the United States taxpayer can be kept on the hook for NATO or for Europe's defense. Look, all of them are generally headed in the right direction or most of them. And so this is because of the renewed Russian security challenge. And I think the most important thing is the U.S. and our European allies have to have to show unity, have to be together. And if we don't, that is uh, Vladimir Putin's fondest dream. The whole idea that Russia is this existential threat to Europe is a um, is is ginned up in order uh, to uh, maintain the rationale for NATO. The Warsaw Pact collapsed. Um, what has it been twenty five years ago? We were supposed to have a peace dividend. Do you remember the peace dividend? Soviet Union collapsed. The Warsaw Pact folded. It was time to either do one of two things. Use this opportunity to bring Russia into the fold of NATO and repurpose it uh, for the defense of Western civilization. Or to, uh, to uh, allow NATO to expire and put something uh, in its place that did not rely on the the idea of a Russian boogeyman for its uh, for its rationale for its uh, justification for existence. And that's why they they absolutely are determined to uh, to cast Russia as this international villain. Now I know that Russia invaded uh, the Crimea and re-annexed it. The truth of the matter is. Uh, Crimea was a part of Russia going all the way back to Catherine the Great in the uh, the 16th century. Um, it was allowed, um, I think it was Nikita Khrushchev that actually gave 
the Crimea uh, back to Ukraine as a uh, as a goodwill gesture. But there was no way that Russia was going to be able to stand by and allow a United States orchestrated coup uh, that uh, that occurred in uh, in the Ukraine deprive Russia from its only access to the to the sea was never going to happen when the CIA and the State Department under Hillary Clinton engaged in that uh, that coup that toppled uh, the Ukrainian government that was trying to maintain uh, uh, good relationships with Russia that almost guaranteed that Russia would have to move to to re-annex the Crimea. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know, we should make it clear that the, the 2% of GDP spending on defense is a guideline. It's not a requirement. Member states have agreed to move towards that percentage. By they have agreed to move toward that percentage many, many times. And if it's a guideline, if you want to call it a guideline, NATO is in itself a guideline. We are not required to participate if the European countries are not going to uphold their commitments. 2024, which is still a ways off. And, and, and so um, this sort of push before he goes to see Vladimir Putin, who would be delighted to see the NATO meeting go the way of the G. You notice that they promised to uh, increase their defense spending to the uh, to the uh, commitment of 2% by 2024. Guess what happens in 2024? President Trump is no longer in office. Do, do you subscribe to this theory that perhaps Donald Trump doesn't want to be in this alliance, which would thrill Vladimir Putin? I think I think everyone who cares about America's alliances is very concerned. And when um, when President Trump said uh, at the Singapore summit uh, that we, he would suspend exercises in Korea, all of the NATO allies officials took notice, have asked me questions. And I think we should watch very closely if he strays off script in Brussels during the NATO summit, then the alliance is in big trouble. And, and, and also a lot of concern that he, he, he said things lately about Crimea. And of course, a lot of the, the, the NATO pressure on Russia is over the annexation of Crimea. What would be the impact of Donald Trump going to Vladimir Putin and then coming out and saying something like uh, he recognizes the annexation of Crimea. I mean, the United States does not need to recognize the annexation of Crimea. The annexation of Crimea by Russia is a de facto um, fait accompli. How's that for combining um, uh, Latin with uh, French? Um, it is, in fact, a reality on the ground. It is not going to change. Uh, Russia is still a military superpower, and the idea that we thought we were going to, uh, under Obama and Hillary Clinton, go over there and deprive them of access to the ocean was uh, was a recipe for disaster to begin with. He, he did say at the G7 that, well, that it is Russian. They all speak Russian in Crimea, which did not thrill the Ukraine. The reason they all speak Russian in Crimea is because they're uh, they're mostly Russians. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little about, a bit about the, um, the upcoming summit with Vladimir Putin right after these messages on America First Radio. clear that he thinks people who are, are members of a group like NATO should pay their fair share. And many more people are paying more because of his leadership in that regard. He certainly shows up at the G7 and, and is, a, is a, a willing participant, but at the same time expresses what America First means under President Donald Trump. I think the World Trade Organization is another group that he has said we should take a look at. So I'll leave any announcements to him. You're interviewing him uh, this afternoon, Maria, so I'll leave you to answer the, to ask him that question. But I think the President's made very clear that America America first also doesn't mean America alone, but also means that we stop paying the bill for lots of other people and participating in things that may not be in our best interest. And, and real quick. Well, our European allies want none of that. They're perfectly happy with the uh, the status quo where the United States is uh, paying for their defense. They're happy to continue to uh, to try to build up the the threat from Vladimir Putin um, and and Russia to justify the continued existence of NATO, because really um the 
the continued existence of NATO depends on some sort of existential threat that, uh, that just doesn't exist right now. If I had my way, I would have uh, the United States withdraw from NATO uh, and we would put together some, some replacement uh, military alliance that would, um, that would allow us uh, to mobilize in the event of an existential threat. But barring that, uh, we need to uh, try to bring Russia into uh, the European orbit, make them a part of NATO. I know that sounds uh, that might you know uh, uh, crash on your ears, because you know we've had so many generations where where Russia was the uh, the existential threat. But if you recall back when uh, when Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev walked hand in hand in Red Square, there was a lot of talk back then. Of, of actually bringing Russia into NATO. If they had done that, then the, the, the budget for NATO would have been cut drastically because, as I say, the reason that NATO spends so much money is because uh, Russia is, uh, is propped up as uh, the big enemy. But that was a real, very real possibility back then. And uh, in the United States, in the f- aftermath of the fall of the Soviet Union, Sent um, sent advisors over there to show uh, the uh, the new Russian government how to conduct free uh, and fair elections, how to set up a civil society, how to set up free markets and uh, and free enterprise, and all of that was squandered under uh, the first George Bush when he um, when he basically allowed uh, you know the uh, the, the oligarchs on wall street to, uh, to go over there and, uh, participate in, in raiding the former, uh, Russian state-owned industries. And at the same time reneged on the promises that uh, Reagan had made not to, um, not to expand NATO. And in fact, uh, pushed NATO right up to the, the Russian borders, which, uh, elicited a, you know, a, um, uh, 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 um, a pushback where uh, where Russia again started behaving more <clears throat> adversarially. Not necessary. The truth of the matter is, Western civilization is uh, is under um, threat from external forces uh, that do not include Russia. The emerging uh, military and industrial superpower is going to be China. They are a Stalinist regime with a president for life. In other words, they are a communist dictatorship. And when uh, Russia was not invited to this last G7 meeting, remember it had been the G8 in the aftermath of the fall of the Soviet empire, when they weren't invited, <clears throat> Vladimir Putin signaled um you know, the possibilities by attending a, an economic summit in Shanghai, China. And you wonder if these, these people, these, uh, these geniuses in Washington, the foreign policy community, um, are, are actually undermining American uh, and Western interests on purpose. I know one man that I believe is, in fact, undermining American and Western interests on purposes, and uh, and that is John Brennan, former CIA director who voted for uh, Gus Hall back in 1970, the presidential candidate for the Communist Party USA, and who, I believe, started this uh, this whole effort to subvert an American election by sending uh, uh, spies into the Trump campaign. Because he said that he was going to insist the NATO uh, pay its way, that he was going to rebalance these trade agreements, and that he was going to conduct a rapprochement with Moscow. Here's John Brennan appearing on uh, MSNBC, where they are actually, um, you know, making uh, him a paid analyst, despite the fact that it's becoming very, very clear that he engaged in sedition by trying to subvert a U.S. presidential election. Well, he is giving in to Mr. Putin. I think that is the concern the Allies have. And the Allies, especially the European Allies and NATO, feel that Russia is... 
presents a threat, uh, both in terms of their continued interference in their elections, uh, which they which they do. But <laughs> that that's the big uh, existential threat they like to uh, point to now is that Russia interfered with the elections. They have yet to offer any concrete evidence that this, in fact, happened. Their their biggest claim is that, uh, you know, they were responsible for the so-called hack of the DNC servers. They've offered no physical evidence. They've never actually examined forensically the DNC servers. It was all based on this bogus, trumped-up uh, so-called intelligence assessment that, uh, that was uh, totally devoid of any proof that any of this ever happened. They're trying to hang this now on a, a $100,000 spent by a Russian troll farm, but that case is, in fact... Uh, moving forward in the District of Columbia and uh, and Rob uh, Bob Mueller's case is totally falling apart. Back to this clip. Well, he is giving in to Mr. Putin. I think that is the concern that the Allies have, and the Allies, especially the European Allies and NATO, feel that Russia is. Pres- presents a threat, uh, both in terms of their continued interference in their elections, uh, which they which they do, but also the influence that uh, Russia is exerting over the European um, continent. So there is his existential threat that he uh, offers for why uh, NATO is um, is required, because uh, without any evidence, they're interfering in uh, elections in Western nations, and they're trying to influence what goes on in Europe. Again, he doesn't cite any specifics. That the United States used to be the defender of our European allies and to push back against yeah. the Russians. The fact now that... We did it for uh, 70 years. We've defended our European allies. At some point, are we going to be allowed to come home and let the, our European allies... that have, Our European allies, the EU has a larger population than the United States and a larger economy than the United States. Why is it up to the American taxpayer to defend them? Mr. Trump is aligning himself with Mr. Putin. I, unfortunately, I think the, Mr. Trump is either not smart enough uh, to realize that Mr. Trump is playing him or he doesn't care. I love this canard about uh, Trump is not smart enough. Never uh, assume anybody with their own 747 is an idiot. He's been speaking about these issues for years and the American people agree with him. It is quite unfortunate because, uh, again, the NATO summit is coming up. It's almost 70 years of this alliance, a partnership that is built on liberty, democracy, and rule of law. And it's Liberty, democracy, and rule of law. These are the same countries that do not allow free speech. They will if you express ideas that are contrary to uh, the state's dogma of open borders and multiculturalism. They will throw your butt in jail. Uh, witness what they did to Tommy Robinson over in the uh, United Kingdom, which probably has the least repressive um, uh, restrictions on free speech. But in Germany, if you if you make a Facebook posting uh, that points out that the crime in your neighborhood has gone through the roof as a result of Angela Merkel's disastrous immigration policies, the police will knock on your door and haul you off in jail and ruin your life. Freedom and democracy, my butt. Seems as though Mr. Trump does not really take those very important values that are that undergird the, the NATO alliance uh, seriously. Uh, the one that doesn't take these sort of values seriously is John Brennan, who actually tried to undermine the American democracy. You know, if we had an objective press in this country, uh, they would be pointing that out. But because uh, they don't, it's left up to the alternate media. Uh, to make these things clear. So after the NATO summit, uh, where President Trump will no doubt uh, have to read the riot act to our our, um, NATO allies, uh, President Trump is going uh, for a long, delayed, and problematic summit with Vladimir Putin. Now, the left-wing media will make you try to make you believe that this is uh, a... um, Uh, an unnatural event when the truth of the matter is, even when the United States and Moscow had real existential issue uh, issues uh, with the, the huge battle of uh, between capitalism and communism, American presidents conducted these summits in very tense and, um, and monumental uh, issues. 
And this is uh, an effort by the president, long delayed because of the whole Russia collusion mythology, to, uh, to build bridges to the other um, nuclear superpower, nuclear-armed superpower. And I wish him all the best. I know that uh, there are some uh, areas where the United States and Russian interests diverge, but in far more areas, uh, we have um, uh, reason uh, to make alliances and to, uh, and to uh, build, that, uh, build on that. One is Syria. The United States needs to get out of Syria, and so does Iran. If, uh, if the president can make a deal with Vladimir Putin that we will withdraw from Syria, if he will insist that their client state of Iran withdraw, then that will restore the status quo uh, and, and allow peace without uh, having to put U.S. Um, boots on the ground in that godforsaken country. We also need to get back uh, to discussing nuclear arms control, which has been long neglected uh, in spite of the fact that we've had a rise of uh, new military or uh, new nuclear um, capabilities. Well, that takes us to the end of this show. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again tomorrow night for another edition of America First Radio. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva paper towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more.